iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Hello everyone, this is The Ruck from The Times and The Sunday Times and it sounds a bit different doesn't it? And there's a big reason for that. I'm at Gatwick Airport, just about to get on a flight to Dubai and then Perth as I'm joining the Times coverage down there. Bit of a change of plan, last minute, bit of a rush. And this is going to be a bit of a ruck with a difference. We're going to try and tune in with the Scottish tour in Argentina, the Irish tour in New Zealand. And then on the other side of these couple of flights, I will update you from Perth. But for now, bon voyage to me and see you on the other side. Well, thank you for that, Will. Um, as you've just heard, Will Kelleher has been flown out to Australia for England's tour Down Under. So this week, you're stuck with me, Alan Dimmick. And on today's podcast, we are going to be previewing the summer tours for Ireland, Wales and Scotland. Last week, Will and Alex were in Richmond for England's squad announcement. So this week, it's the turn of the other home unions. And maybe by the end of this, Will have even arrived and collected his bags. So to help us today, we've got former Ireland hooker Sean Cronin, he previews Ireland's trip to New Zealand. We've also got broadcaster and journalist Lauren Jenkins who will give us an insight into the Wales camp for their tour to South Africa. And from Argentina, we are joined by the Sunday Times Scotland's Mark Palmer. But first, let's hear from Cronin, who I spoke to on Monday evening. It's a massive tour to New Zealand for Ireland who were impressive in the Six Nations. And, as we discovered this week, they'll also be facing a familiar face in former coach Joe Schmidt, who, due to a COVID outbreak, has joined the All Blacks coaching staff. Here's what Sean had to say. Sean, my first question for you is, did you see the news about Joe Schmidt and go, ah, for, here he is. He knows all the secrets. Uh, I did, I did. I saw it early this morning and um, I suppose, number one, had a bit of a laugh, chuckled to myself, the fact that, um, you know, Ireland's first time touring in 10 years in, in New Zealand and, uh, you know, Joe had obviously he said post-World Cup he was stepping away from the game and then he was obviously working with World, World Rugby and then got involved with the Blues. So it's uh, it's funny how things work out. Um, but yeah, he'll, he'll have a major inside line on a lot of the lads that he's worked with in the past and, you know, how they might approach the games. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just funny the way things work out. And I suppose it just adds another layer to the, to the whole series really with Joe probably going to be you know, overtaking a lot of the stuff for this week anyway, as as guys return from COVID. So um, definitely very interesting. And it's, I mean, it's, an inter- it's great to talk to you about the, the tour in general, because before we went, it, Andy Farrell was talking about something and I, it sort of hit home is with all the World League stuff going on and the pos- possibilities of, uh, you know, teams playing two or three different nations during a no- during a summer window in years to come, this could be one of the last proper tours for an international side. And, you know, they're doing it right. They're playing a couple of games against the, the Maori. They're playing uh, three tests against New Zealand. But what do you see as this? I mean, that aside, how big a task is this? Like, it's, it's as tours go, it's a daunting one. 
Yeah, it's huge. I think from just looking from the outside in, I suppose it's all it's all geared. The I suppose the five the five game focus that they have on the tour is geared towards the World Cup. Um, obviously, be a smaller squad when that comes around, but trying to put guys under as much pressure as possible. Um, get a look at guys as well, and um, I suppose no tougher place to go than to New Zealand um, with a World Cup uh, next year and get a good look at guys, put them in that environment and and see how they go. Um, you know, putting those two extra Maori games in there has really take you know people are stepping back on wow this is this looks like it could be a really really tough uh, three four week schedule. So um, it's all those things combined. I think is that. He wants to have a look at these guys under the biggest pressure of all and um, see how that kind of tailors into their World Cup prep as well. Do you think we'll see some guys, maybe guys that Farrell might not know too well, put their hand up in these Maori games and, and you know, grab test selection? Do you think that's possible? Um, yeah, I think so. Uh, even, I suppose, you know, I think the team will be named tonight for, for the game on uh, on Wednesday. Um and I suppose the back row is kind of an interesting one where you'll probably have the likes of Nick Timoney, Gavin Coombs. Um, uh, second row as well could be interesting, but, you know, Treadwell and whoever joins him in, in, in the second row as well. So um, back line, Hume, who's been playing outstanding for Ulster this year. Definitely he's, he's so close to maybe, you know, getting a start uh, possible. And um, there's definitely guys there that... I think you know if they if they go well on Wednesday, um, maybe not for this week, but for the following week for that second test, um, could be in with a big shout or pushing themselves into test selection. So um, it's really interesting, you know, the whole aspect of having that Maori game first up as well. You might have guys doubling up on the on the bench as well, doubling or benching on Wednesday and then benching again at the weekend. So I, I've never been in that scenario um, unless maybe at a World Cup possibly, but. That's that's going to be tough as well. Trying to fit back in then to the to the test team if you were to bench again on the Saturday, it's um, it's going to be tough. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because touring, it's about bonding together as a unit, but having that bit of competition, that sort of added bite in training, you know, guys that sort of see their what could for some people will be the last opportunity really before because the Six Nations, you probably want to be rolling with the the best squad that you've got in. World Cup year, so it's it's an interesting one, isn't it? Do you think that adds an extra dimension? Well, I suppose it's, it's a luxury as well that um, would have been a tour that he could he could. I think forty guys went. There. I actually thought more. I thought more players would go. I thought maybe 44, 45 players. So he has that luxury, Andy Farrell, of, of being able to bring, we'll say, an extra seven eight players on top of a World Cup squad to get it, so that he can try and get a look at every guy that maybe he has on that shortlist that could potentially be in this World Cup squad or so um it's uh it's definitely going to be a huge opportunity for certain guys maybe like you said maybe a potential last last um shot kind of to, to to force themselves into reckoning for November Six Nations as well so um like I said 40 man squad you're not going to have that again until until on you know until the Six Nations possibly comes around so is there anyone you're particularly looking forward to running out in green? Um, I suppose with the with the blue tinted glasses on of Leinster, I'd, I'd be you know really looking to see if Kieran Frawley maybe gets a, a run at ten at out half. Um, 
He's a superb player, along with Harry Byrne as well, who, you know, Harry hasn't played that much rugby this year, kind of had a few injuries, but um, has huge ability as well. Um, and again, I suppose that's kind of leading into the whole Johnny Sexton debate where Ireland really need to try and find, along with Joey Carberry, unearth someone that is, if something happens to, to, to Johnny Sexton, that we can just slide some guy in seamlessly and, and it doesn't affect the rhythm of the team. Um, I like the back, the back row, Coombs. He'd come back from an injury, played in the, the URC quarterfinal against Ulster. I think he's a very good player. Um, so there, there's there's a few guys there that I'll be really keen to see how they go in in that pressure. Maori in Hamilton, a lot of history and culture behind their 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 team, and um, a good few All Blacks in there as well. So it's um, there's a, there's a few guys there that I'm keen to have a look at and and see how they progress in in the tour. Just just looking at things from the from the All Blacks point of view, obviously there's a lot to contend with with coaches and a couple of players falling out the squad this week with with covid not the best preparation uh for the all blacks but where do you think they are at the moment uh, do you think that is it possible that this is if you're going to catch them now's now's the time when you're ireland yeah i think i think it's a funny one i think obviously foster has come he's coming under a bit of heat now at the moment as well um i was actually i was commentating uh with the game that they played against Ireland in November. And look, I know Ireland played outstanding on the day, but I thought it was one of the worst performances I've seen from an all-black team in a long time. No, I know, look, they were coming to the end of a long, long schedule, uh, super rugby, a lot, of, a lot of tests as well. But they are under big pressure to perform. Um, there's been a lot of transition in that team in the last, you know, two, two and a half years with major guys stepping away, Kieran Reid and the like. So, um, it's it's and they've a lot of new guys in their squad as well. So it's gonna be very interesting to see if Ireland can put them under pressure, you know, early doors in, in that first test, how how they respond. And but again, at the end of the day, it's New Zealand at home. Eden Park is the first test. I remember back in twenty twelve I was involved in the squad and we played there. And uh, you know, we got we got our, our arses handed to us uh, uh, uh so to speak. So it's um It'll it'll be interesting to see if 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 they react and we get a reaction from them at home, um, which I'm probably expecting to be honest. And, and with that, I mean, we talk an awful lot in motorsport about you know you lose you lose you learn so much from from losses and defeats. But if you're gonna, it's going to be difficult, and surely that's what everyone wants in the build up to to, to a rugby world cup. And obviously, test wins are just brilliant to have as it is. What would you like to see improve? From Ireland, even if you know think it's an uphill struggle at certain points, what, what would you like to see this Ireland group learn about themselves and improve on? Um, well, I suppose in terms of the Six Nations, where you know, obviously at the France game, where I think starting starting badly away from home has been a bit of an issue. Look, in the Aviva, I think Ireland are well capable on, on any day of, of taking any team in the world, but it's when you go away from home. And we, we the team doesn't start well, which is seen as a bit of I kind of seen as a bit of a trend that that's one area where we need to find a way to build ourselves into the game, especially away from home, in order to put us in a, a position to to be within in, in the game at half time and not be chasing. Um so that would be one area where it's just looking to start the game better. And then I suppose it's around depth then as well in key areas where I think we're definitely going to have to find guys in certain positions that are going to back up the kind of seasoned 
seasoned veterans who've been there a long time in order to build squad squad depth, build competition within the squad. So that's kind of the two areas where they'll probably look for improvement in the tour. Um, I saw today Sir John Kerwin was was suggesting that uh, Ireland were favourites for this one and that New Zealand might have been underdogs. <laughs> Obviously, stuff like that always flies around. Yes, stuff like that yeah. always flies around. But if I could trouble you for a, a prediction, Sean, where, where do you see this going, this series? Look, I think a test win in, in one of the three games would be uh, an outstanding uh, return on the tour and maybe another win against the Maori because I'm not too sure, especially with the way if the tour as the tour goes on and maybe you could pick up a couple of injuries, how strong that midweek team might be. So one a test win and, and one win over the Maoris, I think, would be would be a great return and, and something to build on for coming back after the summer. So you had the Irish perspective there about the Tour of New Zealand. We're now switching rhythm a little bit here and we're heading to South America. We're lucky enough to be joined on the line by Mark Palmer from the, the Sunday Times Scotland who is out covering Scotland's tour of Argentina. Mark, how are, how are things down there? Are you up to your eyeballs and steak already? Um, I'd love to say no, but yes, I have been. Um, uh, it's very cold. It's uh, obviously winter over here, so um, it's been perishingly cold, even for uh, a tough Scotsman like myself. Um, but I'm glad to believe that when we get up to the, the northwest of the country later in the week, it's going to be considerably warmer, so looking forward to that. Just whilst we're on travelling around Argentina uh, proper, could you just tell our listeners where Scotland are playing Argentina that for the first test? Yeah. Yes, it's a, it's a very, a very good question. Uh, multiple attempts and variations have been made in the name of this place, which is spelt J-U-J-U-Y, but I'm reliably informed, or hopefully reliably informed, that's Huhui. So uh, e- easy for you to say. Um, and then we move on to the second test to the rather more manageable Salta before finishing up in Santiago del Estero. Now, these places are all up in the sort of Andean northwest of the country, he said, knowledgeably. Um uh, Salta, big big rugby city in Argentina. The other two uh, are infrequent uh, spots on the the Pumas kind of touring map, but they seem to like taking place Scotland to the the most kind of random corners of the country. So we'll we'll, we'll go and see what the lights are in store there. Well, you can understand why people would want to tour this game about games about because well, Argentina haven't played at home for years, literally years. Yeah. Um, you know, it's yes. their big it's their big return to to home test rugby. Have you? What's what's the sort of mood from people you've spoken to? Is there there must be a, a sense of excitement that rugby's back? Absolutely, yeah. big excitement. I think it was August 2019, so just before the uh, the World Cup was the last home game, which you know is remarkable. I know we were all starved of of rugby for a while there, but you know to have had no home test match in three years is is quite remarkable. So yeah, there's a, there's a vast appetite for this. Uh, you know, three games against Scotland that then segue straight into the rugby championship as well at the the start of August. So, yes, they, they are bang up for it. And there's also a, a, a desire to avenge what happened last time they played Scotland over here four years ago when the, Scotland put 40 points on them in, in another grand location, Resistencia, up in the northeast of the country. So, um, plenty on the cards, or plenty on the line, uh, under a new coach, Argentina as well, Michael Checa having replaced Mario Ledesma. So, there's excitement about what he might bring to, particularly, the, you know, the, some really talented backs available to him. Um, and you know, combine that with some of the more traditional forward strengths that Ladesma brought back and tried to reprioritise. There's a potential for quite a, quite a tasty mix there. 
I'll tell you what. Well, we we can talk about the the test, and I'm, I'm particularly interested in what you know. Uh, finding out, I suppose, throughout the summer, what Scotland face against Argentina. Michael Cech is a really interesting proposition, isn't he? Because um, he's as well as doing this, he's he's also got the job. Uh, he'll be coaching uh, Lebanon in the Rugby League World Cup, and he is coaching the Green Rockets in Japan as well. So he's he's not he's, his diary isn't completely empty. It seems to be a, a growing trend amongst international coaches to yeah to have <laughs> multiple uh, sources of employment. Um, lucky them, um, but yes, it, it will be interesting to see how he's struggling. That there's there, there was a potential for a bit of an intriguing subplot to all that because he, he tried to sign Finn Russell for. Um, uh, the Green Rockets with a, a monstrous offer uh, put on the table a few months ago, which I, I'm led to believe Finn Russell did seriously consider kind of leaving the, the final year of his racing contract for, but uh, has elected to stay in France. So he, he's obviously a, a big fan of the Scotland standoff, who unfortunately is not here, uh, having been rested for the summer. But it'd be interesting to kind of get his take on that and, uh, yes, find out how he managed to spin all these uh, these many plates. So Scotland, you know, we had a Scotland A fixture a couple of days ago um, in Chile. There, obviously, Chile are building up for their um, World Cup qualifier against the United States. Um, you know, teams sticking together, playing really well in in Slar. Guys have been together for a couple of years. Not quite up to the standard of of Scotland. What, what do you? Th- what, what have you got? Sense have you got of the the fallout from that that test and the group that have come over from Scotland? You know, what's 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 the sense of the young lads that got a run out, and what should we expect to see in this opening test? I'll caveat all this by saying that I was up in the air when the the game, uh, literally up in the air when the game took place on on Saturday night. So I have seen various bits that aren't geo-blocked, uh, seen the tries. Um, and, you know, it, it was probably as, as comfortable as, as, as we would have expected. I actually thought there might be a, a bit more resistance from Chile, given some of the, the recent results and performances. Uh, I thought they might be slightly more competitive. But w- what I would say is that speaking to the guys in the, the Scotland Team Hotel yesterday, they, they were saying that certainly in the second half, uh, Chile had massively stepped up the intensity and physicality, and it, it felt like a proper test match second half, whereas in the first it had been slightly more easy from a, Scot- a Scottish perspective. Um, it, you know, the, obviously the, the sort of 12-strong premiership-based contingent hadn't arrived uh, in South America at that point because it fell outside the... The World Rugby windows, they're all back in the mix this week. Um, so guys that put up their hand, you know, George Horn had a fantastic game back to something more like the sort of traditional George Horn that we know running off the shoulder and uh, and popping up on those inside lines. Um, but again, he faces a pretty considerable obstacle in the shape of Ali Price for, for that starting nine shirt. Ollie Smith went well at 15 um, and again, could well line up there again this, this weekend, given that Stuart Hogg isn't here, and we, we expect that player Kinghorn will um, will continue in his kind of new standoff routine. So there might be a chance for Ollie there. Um, Rufus McLean again, another another sort of display of his wheels and, and, and threat out wide, but. Um, you, you would expect Darcy Graham and Duane van der Merwe to have those uh, those wing jerseys sewn up. But, you know, it, it's a really interesting time because it's probably the last opportunity for, for, for Gregor to have, a, you know, not not to say experiment, but to, have, to, to try some different combinations, to have a look at different things before the World Cup. Um, so, you know... I personally would quite like to see a McLean get a start. Uh, we know, you know, what van der Merwe and, and, and Graham can do. 
we don't necessarily know yet what, what, what McQueen can do at this level. We, we think we have a, a, an idea and he's certainly shown the potential, but it would be good to see that in action and, and him given an opportunity. Standoff, as I say, as expected, um, uh, Kinghorn will be, will be the man. Uh, he started the most recent test at the end of Six Nations against Ireland there. Uh, but Ross Thompson is another one who you know deserves a crack. Maybe starting one of the games or as much time as can be found for him off the bench as possible. He's, he's, he's a guy that should be forcing his way into that World Cup squad in some shape or form. So um, it'd be great to, to see some uh, some more live evidence. It's an interesting time, isn't it? Because we're now at that stage in the build-up to World Cup year next year where you know, you'd know, you hope that people have an idea of what combinations there are. Do you think Gregor will roll the dice a little bit with some of his selections? Do you think that we'll see some guys in, in places that we might not have seen or combinations we've not seen before? Or actually, is it possible that it's just let's get test wins under our belt and then the best way to do that is to pick the strongest, most established combinations? It's a really interesting one because, you know, as you well know, Gregor tends to do the exact opposite of what you expect he's going to do. Um, so, uh, uh, but at this point, you would struggle to kind of even say what you expect him to do because, you know, the, the, there's no doubt Scotland do need to get to re-establish some winning momentum. It was a pretty poor Six Nations, especially having started so well with that retention of the Calcutta Cup. There were disappointing performances against Wales and France. Uh, beat Italy sort of by the bare minimum almost and then lost comfortably in Dublin as we, as we always seem to do. So, you know, they really do need to get some some positive vibes back around the place and, and you know, the way you do that is by, by winning games of Test Rugby. Uh, against that, as, as we've just outlined, there won't be any slash many more opportunities to have a look at, you know, Sam Skinner in the back row, whatever it is. Um, so, you know... I, I, my, my gut feel is that there might be some sort of halfway house reached here, that there, there'll be a, a, a measure of experimentation in inverted commas, but that we will see some of the more trusty guys like Johnny Gray coming back in to, to do what we know they're going to do and hopefully deliver a, um, a, a, another series win. So what you're saying, Mark, is reading between the lines here, all in on Hutchison. Well, now, if it was me, then, then absolutely. I, I think Hutchinson's going to, you know, I think he's been grossly underused up to now, frankly, but he also, um, you know, I, I really want to see Scotland using a kind of second ball player at 12, the way that Chris Boyd's used him at Northampton this year. I know everyone still thinks of Rory as this kind of, you know, guy with the great outside break, and of course he has that and, and, and can easily slot in at 13, but he's played really well outside bigger at, at, at 12 for Northampton this year. I think long-term that could be a great way to take some of the sort of creative responsibility off Finn Russell to avoid him having to think that he always has to pull something out of his, his backside, for want of a better phrase. Um, so, um, you know, Cameron Redpath is another very obvious uh, candidate for that 12 second ball playing uh, uh, midfielder role he struggled with injury as we know is back on the way to fitness at Bath but the and, and could have come on tour but the, the preference was to leave him there to get a proper pre-season so he can get a real good clean run at next season um, so yeah I think it could well be a, a big moment for Hutchison as well Okay time to put your uh, big boy pants on Mark uh, how do you see this 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 series panning out what, what do you think the, the results will be? 
Well, I think I'm going to go um, for a 2-1 series win for Scotland. Um, it, it's very difficult to know just what to expect from Argentina, as we were saying earlier. They, they've, you know, they've not played at all since last November when we saw them run France very close in uh, in Paris, then get cuffed by Ireland and Dublin, having beaten a sort of very average Italy team along the way. Um you know, there's some class acts that we see week in, week out, the other thing, Carreras, Cordero, Kramer, uh, Facundo Isa, the, the, the number eight, um, who has been, you know, fantastic in France for a number of years now. Some great individual talent, Creevy coming back into the mix for the first time in three years as well, Czech has finally given, granted his wish to return to the fold. It's how it all comes together, having not had much time um, in each other's company over the last number of years. Uh, but, I, but I do think that whole sort of emotional driver, you know, the best Argentine teams always have a, a, you know, a big emotional factor to it. Uh, and the emotional driver of, of returning to home soil, playing for their public again, I think we'll, we'll see them hit a decent level, but I still expect Scotland to, to, to emerge on top over the piece. And finally, Mark, personal milestones. Um, <laughs> how many bottles of Malbec personal are we hoping milestone. to have? What, what would you like to achieve personally on this tour? Oh, survive three weeks of David Gibson. Is, is that good enough? Yeah. Um, no, um, well, I've already ticked off one. I've, I've always been keen to, to go to a, a, a South American football game, and I managed that on, on Sunday night. I went along to watch uh, Racing Club um Thrash Aldecivi in the, the Argentine top flight. That was a great experience to see their uh, their stadium, which is just a, as you can imagine, a monumental uh, <laughs> mosh pit. Basically, it was, it was fantastic. Um, so enjoyed that. Um, other personal milestones: break the world record for consumption of Malbec and, and steak. Top stuff. Top stuff. Mark, enjoy yourself out there. Take it easy, and we'll we'll hear from you when you get back. listening to me daisy apple's iphone disassembly robot is dismantling an iphone into lots of recyclable parts that's how apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods thanks daisy there's more to iphone there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss that's plushcare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss So we've had chat about New Zealand, we've had dispatches from Argentina, and now we're hot-footing it to South Africa. We were joined by broadcast and journalist Lauren Jenkins. Lauren, how are things in South Africa? Good afternoon. They are glorious as we speak. Um, Alan, I'm just in the Monte Cassino Hotel at the minute where the Springboks are staying. You might be able to hear um, the birds behind me, the waterfalls behind me, because Jack Nienabar has just announced his team. Lovely day. Um spoke to some of the the Welsh guys yesterday they're not too far away plenty of optimism there but of course the series hasn't got underway yet so we'll see how it pans out not a huge amount of expectation um on the Welsh guys shoulders but 
you know, it's nice to be here. It's nice to be in an open, restriction-free South Africa. And as of yesterday, there were only 3,000 tickets left for Loftusfirstfeld in Pretoria with the first tested. So we're hoping for a wild, passionate crowd there on Saturday. What a G up, because I was going to start with going, it's all doom and gloom about Welsh rugby at the moment, Lauren. Give me a ray of sunshine. And it sounds like you find plenty out there. So give me a sense of, uh, you mentioned a little bit of optimism. What, what are the silver linings that we're grabbing onto at the moment? Well, don't get me wrong, Alan, there aren't many silver linings. Um, and, you know, there's not much expectation on Wales for good reason, right? They've never won a test in South Africa. They're playing the first two tests at altitude. We're going to see crowds back, as I've mentioned. And South Africa have now got plenty of those World Cup winners. I think there's 10 in this team that won the World Cup still in fine form. They've also got a new generation of guys coming through in that we've seen really shine in the URC this season. So, Yes, it's the greatest of challenges for Wales, but um, am I devoid of any hope? No, you look at the Welsh squad, there's plenty of talent there. George North is back. I think he's prob- he was probably um, one of the players we missed the most during the Six Nations. I think Wayne Pivak has used a total of 15 different combinations in midfield. Finally, we should see him settled at 13, at least. Who knows who will play alongside him? Um, and, you know, we've got Lydiet, Navidi, Faladau, guys, um, I think Faladau will be a certain starter. Guys, there's plenty of talent there, isn't it? And plenty of those boys have had experience out here this season. They, the regions haven't won a game in South Africa and the USC, but they know what to expect. I guess the question is how much will they have learned from those losses? Yeah, certainly. It's um, We've spoken throughout <laughs> the year on the, this podcast about what the South Africans, sort of like the Terminator of been picking up bits and pieces through the year and only gotten stronger uh, just just before we go back to Wales you, you've seen the squad announcement for the box what what's what's the team like and, and what are we expecting from them so I think the biggest talking point in, is there's no Andre Pollard and we probably know that's the one position where they're lacking a bit of depth they've only had Yanchis and, and Mornay Stain start there since Razi Erasmus took the reins in 2018. We know Stain has since retired. So Yanchis starts at 10. Now, Paul had only flew in on Sunday, having played the top 14 final. So um, that is Nina Ba's reason. We like to pick players who have been around in the week. We like to pick players who are part of the plan. But, you know, certain South African pundits would say there's a big drop off between what Pollard can do and, and what we've seen from Yanchi's in the last year. He hasn't played, he plays in the Japanese league. He hasn't played a huge amount. That's probably the only positive for Wales. You know, seven of the pack started the third test against the Lions. Um, in the absence of the Moulin and Detoya, so back row of Khaleesi, Mostert and Visa. And then they've gone for a 6-2 split on the bench. So you've got Max, Kitchoff and Cock um, on the bench who, we, you know, you wouldn't be surprised if they came on before the, the halfway mark. You know, even saying those names out loud and really hammers home how much depth they've got. And Valencia at full back, he did start there against Wales in the autumn back to go off early. So we still... We did ask Jack who would be the 10 cover. Fianchi's did go off. He didn't commit to that. We've heard Willie LaRue has been playing then a week. Um, so, yeah, maybe that's the only glimmer of hope for, for Wales is, is that 10 position. Well, certainly there's, there's some contrast mm. and there's some similarities because the contrast is obviously 
Dan Bigger is now well in harness as the captain of of Wales. You know, it's a it's a role that he seems to have really enjoy and, and relish and ha- has done well in uh, captaining and captaining from fly half. Andre Pollard. Uh, I mean, it's worth mentioning that he you know he wasn't a nailed on starter for Montpellier this season either with uh, Paolo Garbisi playing so well for them, um, the yeah. Italian the Italian fly half. Whereas you look at the back row and my God, there's on both sides really, there's uh, there's riches uh, with all the talent that, that they've got there. Is the biggest headache, selection mm-hmm. headache from a Welsh point of view, Lauren, is settling on these guys that needs to be brought up to speed because we've seen a lot of personnel changes in the back row for Wales. There's a lot of talent there, but it's, you know, we've got World Cups rumbling down the pipe uh, you know, is it time to start establishing combinations? Yeah, exactly that. And Russ Petty pointed out there's been 18 different back row combinations in 27 tests. Now, you look at the plays they've got for this tour. They've got the old heads in Dan Liddy at 34, Josh Navidi 31, Farlett at 31. I, I would perhaps put my money on those guys starting. Don't know why you'd bring Dan Liddy on tour if you weren't planning to, to start him. And then, so they brought six back rowers. And then on the other side of the coin, Basham 22, um, Raffle 23 and Ratty 24. So I guess the question is, do you bring, you know, do you mix a bit of youth with experience? Do you bring one guy in, you know, Tommy Raffle, um, you, you've probably seen more of him for, for Leicester than I have this season, but it has been a key part of their success. But in short, they have to sort out the breakdown because that's what hurt them in the Six Nations. There's no point having Alex Alex Cuthbert making great breaks against England if you then lose the ball um, at the ruck. So we know how effective South Africa are at you know targeting the breakdown and and nicking the ball off an isolated player. So that would be a huge. You'd like to think that would have been one of the main focuses for Wayne Pivak over the last few weeks. I mean, taking what I've just said and completely flipping on its head, though, we we always see new heroes emerge on tour. Are there any uh, young players that you're particularly excited to see that maybe those at home that haven't followed so closely should 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 keep an eye on? Well, I mean, it's a small squad, I guess. Those back rowers, you know, will a Tommy Raffle get his first cap? I'd be surprised. Although, can I just say, I need I need someone to settle this for me because watching BT, I do. Here, most commentators call him Tommy um, Raffle. I say Raffle. It's Raffle. 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 I'm gonna. I'm gonna nail Varity down the team manager just to confirm that. Um, yeah, do. I've been watching him since he's been playing under twenties for Wales, and I wouldn't have thought they would have brought just six back rowers and then not give someone like Raffle or even Ratty a first cap, even if it's off the bench. Um, they've brought a 33-man squad okay, that replicates what you would take to a World Cup. Um, I think that's the reason they've done it. But then again, you know, you don't play three back-to-back tests against South Africa in a World Cup and you have more time um, to, to prepare beforehand. So, you know, and they've, only, they've also only brought four locks in Alan jones Rowlands, Carter and Adam Beard. So one of those players goes down and you're in a bit of trouble. I don't think this is a at all we're going to see many um player you know maybe a ratty or raffle but apart from those i don't see this as being at all we're going to see many players cut through and, and in a first cap and you've got to remember pivak has handed out a lot of first caps already he's been forced to do so because of injury so this hopefully is the start of a more settled team just over a year out from a world cup 
and, and a run of being injury free would would also be high on Pivac's <laughs> wish list. I imagine you know we've seen seen Wales really struggle with the injury list in the past. Uh, am I right in thinking that everyone's fit as is? Well, we think so. They did. They said yesterday that Thomas Francis was fit. Now, if he wasn't, he'd be a big loss. He's been missing an injury, so. Um, they said he's fit. We'll, we've been in situations before where a player has been deemed fit and it hasn't quite transpired that that way on match day. But yeah, I'd expect them to go Thomas Francis, Ryan Elias and Wynne Johnson. Look, that's a huge area for, for Wales and, and where this game's going to be won. So let's hope they're all fit and firing and um, at their best come Saturday. Well, absolutely, because Alf, producer Alfie and I were talking off mic and one of the things he said is, South Africa always seem to name their team very early and it's like yep because we know exactly what we're going to get from them and they do not shy away from that do they no and apparently they were told on Sunday so you know there's always the risk that it would, the team might get leaked as well so if they know if they're training um, to a certain game plan then why not just just tell the media although Jack did say it might not be this um, this early every week it might be a Wednesday or Thursday next week so might be one to keep an eye on Okay Lauren it's time to put your rand where your mouth is uh, we've asked everyone that's that's guested on this this one what we're predicting here what how give us is there a silver lining to grab onto what's your prediction for this whole series Well I guess the silver lining is that there is no expectation on Wales and you look back to the Six Nations and their best performances came in those games where Everyone was writing them off against France. They um, tactically kicked very well. They went with a game plan that very nearly almost worked. And against Scotland, you know, Scotland came to Cardiff as favourites for the first time in however long. And they beat them there. That said, the three-test series against the box is very different. Um, yeah, I think the best chance they, they may have is, is, is this week, actually, with, without at 10. Let's hope he's not listening to this podcast um and we're a fully fit wales i don't know i think most people are predicting a three nail shall i go three one maybe let's go three one is that possible are we playing an extra game just to get a win then <laughs> um no oh sorry yeah two one gosh my maths has never been my strongest point alan two one brilliant <laughs> well we're heading towards the tests here we go lauren jenkins in south africa thank you very much for chatting to us Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks to Lauren Jenkins for calling in from South Africa, as well as Sean Cronin and Mark Palmer. The Rock will be coming to you live from Australia as we give you updates from the ground on England's tour down under. This has been The Rock from The Times and Sunday Times. Please follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode was edited and produced by Alfie Reynolds. And remember, we heard from Will Kelleher at the start of his journey. Well, I think it's only fitting that we give him the final words on this week's podcast. Let's get an update. Hello everyone. The last time you heard my voice, it was Monday afternoon in London Gatwick Airport. And now, for me at least, it's Tuesday evening. The sun has set on Western Australia and the times are on the ground in Perth. Alex Lowe's already here. I've joined him. The beeping you can hear in the background is the baggage reclaim. So proof that we've made it. We're down under. We're on tour with England. So stay tuned over the next few weeks to the ruck for coverage from the England tour to Australia on the rock from the Sunday Times and the Times. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Goodbye. As you're listening to me, 
Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone.